0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, coming up on this Wednesday edition, as Congress returns to the nation's capital, there is no shortage of issues with just nine days before the first government funding
0: deadline. This is a very serious priority of mine. This, to me, this deal, this agreement is a down payment on restoring us to fiscal sanity in this country. It's critically important.
1: That was House Speaker Mike Johnson talking about the deal to fund government that is being negotiated between the House and the Senate. We'll have more on that later this week. Today, the attention was on Hunter Biden, who made a surprise visit to the Oversight Committee uh, that was holding a hearing on whether to hold him in contempt for defying a congressional subpoena
0: he has the gall to come here show up and then when the democrats are saying hey he wants to speak he leaves this is a joke this is a farce the man has been subpoenaed by congress
1: that was florida congressman byron Donald speaking after hunter biden came to the committee room and then democrats on the committee said hey he wants to speak then he got up and walked out by the way the house judiciary committee which was also holding a contempt hearing, voted 23 to 14 today to hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress. Well, after a year-long probe into the dereliction of the Department of Homeland Security, the House Homeland Security Committee began its impeachment proceedings today against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas.
2: The findings of our investigation, available to the public at homeland.house.gov, coupled with the Secretary's refusal to change course on the reckless decisions facilitating this crisis, have left us with no reasonable alternative than to pursue the possibility of impeachment.
1: That was the committee chairman, Mark Green, at the opening of today's hearing. We'll get the latest on the hearing and what is next in this impeachment process from Mississippi Congressman Michael Guest, who is a member of the Homeland Security Committee. And this past week, Christians in Nigeria have been mourning the murder of over 200 believers that were killed during Christmas by Muslim terrorists. Now, despite the continued bloodshed in Nigeria, the Biden administration once again refused to acknowledge the complicit Nigerian government in the U.S.'s annual list of countries of particular concern when it comes to religious hostility. We'll talk with former U.S. Ambassador-at-Large for Religious Freedom, Sam Brownback, about the continued violence in Nigeria, and we'll also get a report from him on his recent trip to Israel, where he saw the evidence of the atrocities by Muslim terrorists in that country. And as expected, about an hour ago, the Ohio House overrode Governor Mike DeWine's veto of the state SAFE Act. That bill would have protected children from experimental surgeries and drugs being pushed by transgender activists. The Ohio Senate must now also override the veto. That chamber will vote later this month. We're going to talk with Walt Heyer, someone who knows a little about the topic, actually a lot. Walt is a detransitioner himself who is now working to spare others from that trauma. Also, more on the World Health Organization.
3: The coming year will be a test for humanity, a test of whether we give into division suspicion and narrow nationalism or whether we are able to rise above our differences and seek the common good.
1: In other words, whether we wave a white flag and surrender national sovereignty to a global entity. That was the director of uh, director general of the World Health Organization, Tedros Ghebreyesus, earlier today. Now, the Biden administration has been pushing the global pandemic agreement or treaty uh, which would give global power police power to the world health organization well the biden administration has opened a quietly opened a period of public comment ben johnson senior reporter at washington stan has more on this global power grab by the united nations and what you can do that's coming up later you won't want to miss that interview here on washington watch Our word for today comes from Genesis 25. And his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite. Now, both Isaac and Ishmael buried Abraham in the cave at Hebron. Their love for their father brought them back together. It appears they may have been reconciled on this occasion. We don't have the details in Scripture about their relationship, but there is something here for us if we are children of God. Our love for the Father, who first loved us, should cause us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. As the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 4, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. For more on our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. Well, as I mentioned earlier today, the House Homeland Security Committee held its first impeachment hearing for Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas following a years-long investigation into his failed leadership, which has led to an invasion of our southern border. Well, today's hearing, titled Havoc in the Heartland How Secretary Mayorkas's Failed Leadership Has Impacted the States, featured testimony from attorneys general from Montana, Oklahoma, and Missouri, who provided a look at the consequences of the border crisis throughout the entire country. Joining me now to discuss this is Congressman Michael Guest, who serves on the House Homeland Security Committee, where he is the vice chairman of the Subcommittee on Border Security and Enforcement. He is also on the House Appropriations Committee and the House Committee on Ethics. He represents the third congressional district of Mississippi. Congressman Guest, welcome back to the program.
4: Tony, great to talk to you again.
1: So let me ask you, uh, did we learn anything new based upon uh, the testimony from the attorneys general today?
4: You know, uh, what we learned is uh, from looking, listen to the attorney generals is it, the impact that this crisis has had in, in every community, uh, not just communities on the southwest border. Uh, you, you had a, a story on just a few moments ago before uh, you came on the air about the situation in New York where children are having to go to school virtually uh, because their schools are being used to shelter immigrants. Uh, this Crisis is is, is an unmitigated disaster. It has been caused by the actions of Secretary Mayorkas, uh, and the committee is taking the steps to finally hold him accountable.
1: What do you make of the Democrats on the committee's comments downplaying the chaos at the southern border? I mean, the the numbers don't lie. I mean, this is, I, I use those words intentionally, this is an invasion of our southern border.
4: You know, you're exactly right. Looking at just last month's numbers alone, well, 300,000 immigrants uh, crossed our border illegally. Uh, we know Secretary Mayork has told agents there on the southern border that 85% of those individuals that cross the border are later released into the interior. If you look at numbers uh, from the immigration court, uh, the immigration court backlog last year alone grew by a million cases. We now have 3 million immigrants waiting to have their day in court, and many of those court dates have been pushed off now for years. And so this is something that Republicans have tried to address. we tried to address through HR2, our signature legislation that we passed in May. We tried to address through the appropriations process, and every time Republicans offered answers, all we get back from the Democrats is they push back and they offer excuses, and they try to bring Republicans for the crisis that they create. created.
1: One of the issues that the, the state leaders are concerned about is the influx of drugs coming across the border. Uh, was that a, a subject of the conversation today?
4: It was. Uh, The attorney generals uh, from the various states, Montana, Missouri, uh, and Oklahoma, spoke of the fact that uh, they are seeing an increase in fentanyl, an increase in other uh, illegal substances coming into their state. They talk about the increase in overall uh, overdose deaths uh, that that they're seeing, particularly in individuals 18 to 45. Uh, They also talk about the the financial crisis that's created as they're having to house, to educate Uh, to uh, provide health care for immigrants. Uh, And so they talked about how this impacted the criminal justice system, uh, how it impacted the citizens there. And they all said, without a doubt, that there is a crisis. Uh, They have rebutted something that Secretary Mayorkas has continued to say time and time again to Congress, is that Secretary Mayorkas maintains the border is secure and that there is not a crisis. Every one of the attorney generals, when asked, said that the border is not secure and that there is a crisis not only on the border, but a crisis in their communities.
1: So, Congressman Guest, I want to ask you this question. Um, I mean, we're in a very politically polarized in, environment, and, and oftentimes people don't look at the facts. You know, they're saying, well, the Republicans do this, the Democrats do that. It's just tit for tat. It's back and forth. For one of your constituents, and we've got a lot of your constituents to listen to and watch our program. Does the actions do the actions of Secretary Mayorkas rise to the level of impeachment?
4: I, I believe that they do, and each member is going to have to make that individual call. And, and if you listen today to much of the. The hearing, you'll see that really none of the Democrats uh, were defending Secretary Mayorkas, defending the job uh, that he had done or the lack thereof. Uh, they were instead a- attacking the process. Uh, but I believe, you know, from looking at some of the constitutional law and and, and being able to read some of the materials provided, Uh, That there are are clear violations uh, and that we, as the Committee on Homeland Security, we have the ability, if a majority of our members find so, uh, to return articles of impeachment against Secretary Mayorkas. Uh, And I think most people who will look at the job that he's done will say that he must be held accountable. To allow him to continue to destroy this country with no accountability I think is, is wrong. Uh, and I think the public is demanding, both Republicans and Democrats, that something be done.
1: So, I mean, it really li- rises to the level of duty that Congress has a duty. This is one of the responsibilities you have, and that is the oversight of these agencies. And it, it, no one, as you just said, the Democrats on the committee can't weren't even trying to argue that he's doing his job. It's quite clear that he's not.
4: You're, you're exactly right. Whether he's just incompetent or, or whether he is intentionally not performing the duties that, that, that he has been appointed to, to oversee, I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, but I know if you look at federal law, uh, the INA, the Secure Fences Act, uh, he, he, he has refused to comply with the law that Congress has written. You know, you just look at the fact that he refused and stopped wall construction day one once he became secretary. A wall that Congress had approved, a, a law that a, a wall that Congress had authorized a wall where material, where wall materials were there on the border waiting to be constructed and he unilaterally just said i'm not going to do what congress has authorized right. and told me to do hey, uh, and so clearly i think he has overstepped his authority
1: i mean that doesn't work that way there's the law you're supposed to operate according to the law what are the next steps steps congressman what what can we expect to see after today's hearing
4: Uh, Two more additional hearings uh, that will be coming between now and the end of the month. Uh, One will involve uh, the uh, victims uh, whose family members uh, have been harmed or in some cases killed uh, at the hands of illegal aliens who were in the country. Uh, And then we're going to invite Secretary Mayorkas to come before our committee uh, and to answer tough questions and to explain to the American people why he should not be held accountable for his actions.
1: So what these hearings are laying out what you have uncovered in the last year as a committee, letting the American public see it.
4: That, that's exactly right, and will most likely uh, will most likely end uh, with articles of impeachment being brought forth against Secretary Mayorkas. But we've got to work through that process. There must be due process, uh, and this is part of the due process that Secretary Mayorkas and really any other cabinet secretary would be owed before articles of impeachment uh, are brought forward from the committee.
1: All right, Congressman Michael Guest, always great to see you. Thanks so much for taking time to join us today.
4: Thank you again for letting me be on tonight.
1: Absolutely. So, if uh, Mayorkas is impeached, be the first cabinet secretary in 150 years to be impeached by Congress. Uh, we'll continue to track that. Well, coming up, former U.S. Ambassador at large for religious freedom, Sam Brownback, Brownback, joins me after the break to discuss the Biden administration's refusal to recognize the targeting of Christians in Nigeria. Also, we'll talk about his recent trip to Israel. That's next.
5: Get this free guide at frc.org slash to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Well, as Israel's war against Hamas continues, last month a delegation of evangelical Christian leaders traveled to Israel, standing with that country at war in the Jewish people. The delegation, which included FRC's Ken Blackwell, toured Israeli communities along the Gaza border, met with hostage families, and were briefed by Israeli military officials. Well, join me now to discuss this trip is Sam Brownback, the former U.S. Ambassador-at-Large for International Religious Freedom, who was also on that trip. Ambassador Brownback, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you.
2: Hey, good to see you again, Tony, and a belated Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
1: Well, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Before we get into your trip to Israel, I want to get your reaction to the Biden administration continuing to refuse to hold the Nigerian government accountable for the slaughter of Christians in that country. Uh, Between December the 23rd and uh, the 28th, over 200 Christians were killed in that country. And this is just the latest.
2: And it's... uh one of the most dangerous places on earth to be a Christian. Now, unfortunately, in a place like Nigeria, it's a wonderful country, but the government there has been feckless, and the administration here has been feckless in holding them accountable and also pointing out that you've got terrorist groups all over that nation operating, and the government there is doing nothing about it. I, I thought it was a terrible mistake. They didn't list them as a country of particular concern. It's the second year in a row they haven't done this, and it's going to just breed more problems in West Africa by them failing to do this. This is a a terrible decision by the administration.
1: What makes it even worse, Ambassador, is that during your tenure and during my tenure as chairman of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, we first succeeded in getting Nigeria recognized as a country of particular concern. And so that became, uh, you know, an issue for the government to, to our government to prioritize religious freedom. In fact, uh, President Trump held uh, the feet to the fire of the Nigerian leaders when they came to the United States. That's no longer the case.
2: And deaths went down of Christians in Nigeria after President Trump pushes The president of Nigeria at that time says, hey, why why are you killing all the Christians? Why are all the Christians getting killed? And he goes, well, of course they're not. What he he did then went back and assigned his military to go out and address these issues, and the death numbers went down. And now it's all over the place, and you're going to end up with a big problem and war and maybe— People trying to divide Nigeria again. If you don't get on top of this,
1: well, you could have a refugee crisis as people f- flee from Nigeria, which is the most populous country in uh, in Africa. So th- this again shows elections have consequences, especially something uh, so fundamental and important as this life, religious freedom. It's all connected. Uh, Ambassador, I want to get uh, your your thoughts on your recent trip to Israel. You were there on the ground speaking with survivors. You actually saw the evidence of the atrocity, the brutality of Hamas and the terrorist attack there. Tell us about it.
2: It's horrific. Uh, Tony, this is the ninth time I think I've been in Israel. Uh, I've been there a number of times. I have never seen the nation itself... Uh, so set on doing something as they are now. Uh, We were at a lunch in Tel Aviv and had a a missile attack going on. Now, the Iron Dome stopped it, but everybody had to get up and go to the shelter uh, during that period of time. Went to the kibbutz that was a mile and a half from the Gaza that had been overrun by the terrorists, and people just slaughtered indiscriminately. What I did see in in the Israeli people was a resolve that this is it, it's over, We're going to go at this, and we appreciate the American support. We want the American support, but we are going. We cannot live with terrorists funded and supported and organized and armed by Iran in Gaza Strip, in Lebanon right next to us, in Syria, and directed and and helped, supported, um, guided by Iran. They're going to deal with this, and we need to help them and stand with them. Well, you
1: hear the, the comments from this administration, the Biden administration, well, we still need to pursue a two-state solution. Isn't that essentially what we had with Gaza that was self-governed uh, since 2007? And, and it shows that it doesn't work.
2: It doesn't work. And the United States itself, if we had this situation, we would not tolerate it. Right there in your country, right next to you, you've got terrorist groups that want to literally wipe you out and are willing and have shown the brutality by going in and killing babies and the, the, the carnage that they wrecked indiscriminately around there. That It just proved to the Israeli people, we have to deal with this, and the, and the United States needs to, to be clear on the moral issue here. Do we want to see another genocide of the Jewish people like what happened in Hitler's Germany? I think not, but you've got that level of barbarism right there next to them that wants to destroy them. It, it appears, uh, even, even
1: this week, as Secretary Blinken has, was in Israel, you know, basically telling Israel to back off, that they are not. Uh, there is a recognition that this is the time we have to resolve this issue now.
2: It is, and I think we need to put a lot more pressure on Iran. One of the mistakes the Biden administration has done is ease up and let funding go and money go to Iran that is the center mm-hmm. of this terrorist effort. They're the ones funding and organizing and arming Hamas and Hezbollah and doing, that, uh, doing similar things in Syria. We have to push back on Iran, and things will not change in that region for Israel until they deal with the terrorists and Iran's leadership is changed.
1: Ambassador, we only have about 30 seconds left, but later this month, the International Religious Freedom Summit, which you are the co-chair, is being held in Washington. Tell us about it.
2: January 30, 31st, biggest gathering of international religious freedom advocates from around the world. We'll have people from 50 to 70 different countries. We've got 80 different groups putting this on. If you're interested in religious freedom international in any part of the world, You should come and sign up. You can go on the website to uh, join that IRF Summit uh, 2024, IRF Summit 2024. It's going to be a fantastic—it'll be the best one we've ever had. And more and more people are coming into the movement. We've got to make this grassroots movement grow to support religious freedom around the world.
1: Well, I appreciate you leading that effort, because in the, uh, the absence of having an administration that has prioritized it, we need those voices out there keeping this issue before the American people and the international community. Ambassador, always great to see you.
2: Thanks so much for joining us. Good to see you. God bless you, Tony. All right.
1: Folks, stick with us. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about the Ohio House overriding Governor DeWine. That's next. Don't
0: go away.
1: This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And uh, again, on the website, we have uh, contact information from all of our guests who are on the program, as well as action items and resources that can help you be a participant in this republic. Our republic was not made for spectators. It was made for participants. This afternoon, Ohio lawmakers in the State House of Representatives there voted to override Governor Mike DeWine's veto of House Bill 68 by a vote of 65 to 28. Now, the language of the Ohio Safe Act protects children from gender surgeries, these experimental surgeries and drugs, as well as safeguards females, safeguards female athletes and uh, sports. The Ohio State Senate is expected to hold their own override vote before the end of the month the momentum we continue to see at the state level on this issue demonstrates both the public appetite for pushing back against the extreme LGBT agenda, particularly when it harms children, as well as the importance of state and local elections. I mean, this is this is the type of things that that really emphasizes why we have to be engaged. Well, join me now to discuss this and more as Walt Heyer. He is a senior fellow here at the Family Research Council, and he's also the founder of sexchangeregret.com. Walt, welcome back to Washington Watch, and uh, I don't think I've officially been able to welcome you to the Family Research
3: Council, but welcome. Thank you, Tony. It's good to be on. appreciate that.
1: So, Walt, I I want to get your reaction to today's override, but before I do that, I want to give some context here to our viewers and listeners Um, In the opening of the show, I I said you know a little bit about this. Actually, you know a lot about this, as you are one who de-transitioned. And so you have made, really, your life's calling has become to, has come to the point of trying to help others avoid the trauma of what is happening to these children.
3: Yeah, absolutely. We started a website, Sex Change Regret, about 13 years ago, and uh, we've had over, well over 2 million views to the site. Uh, I've gotten well over 10,000 emails, people asking for help because a lot of people suffer from regrettable outcomes, um, anywhere from I've worked with kids as young as 10 to adults in their 70s. So uh, this is a big issue, and uh, the harm that is being done by hormones and surgery is just um, kind of unimaginable. So I'm real happy to hear what's happened in Ohio, the override.
1: What did Governor Mike DeWine miss when he
3: vetoed this bill last week? How did he get it wrong? Yeah, he, he apparently hasn't looked at the data, which talks about the harm, the huge amount of harm that's being done. As I recall, he went to the hospital and just talked to some of the young people in the hospital and got his feedback from them. And I think one of his quotes was, the parents know better uh, about this issue than, uh, than the people who are voting to protect the children. But it's not true because the parents really are not any more educated on it, apparently, than, than DeWine was. I, I do wonder sometimes some of our Republican governors have done vetoes uh, who have super majorities that are actually kind of known they're going to get overridden. So I don't know if I suspect in some cases it may be a, more of a political move, To try to balance things out. I'm not sure because he did get it wrong, but the override got it right. I I want to go back, Walt, to something you just said a moment ago about
1: the parents not having all the information. We've had testimony, and I I know that you are uh, familiar with this, that some in the medical community will say, you know, if you have a a, a young girl that wants to transition to a male, is it, you know, what do you want, a, a son or a dead daughter? Uh, and, and so yeah. they, they they really put the emotional pressure on the parent to fall in line with this, and do not give them
3: the actual facts about what the outcomes could be. Right. Uh, the actual truth is this has been known since the late '70s. Uh, the first report about the harm being done of hormones. Uh, was reported by Dr. Charles L. Illenfeld at the Benjamin Clinic in 1979. It was the harm being done by hormones and surgery was reported in 2004 by the UK Guardian, and Sweden has been reporting it for years about the harm being done. In fact, uh, they their studies show because they they look at every single person because it's you know socialized care there. And they found that you're 19 times more likely to die from suicide after you take the hormones and surgery. So, the parents uh, and DeWine apparently aren't looking at the actual research data. They're doing more of emotional ideology than actually looking at what's actually happening.
1: So, so Walt, how do we how do we educate uh, the public and you know and, and these medical associations in the media that is pushing this narrative. How do we how do we overcome that?
3: Well, I think we're doing the right thing by passing laws because apparently people don't want to look at the data. And so, uh, if they aren't going to look at the data, and then we have to pass laws to protect them. But I think what you know, I I published seven books, and the books have that information in it. Those books are on my website, Sex Change Regret. A lot of people have published research studies about this. And and I think, you know, if you dig in and just not go in for the ideology and understand that har- hormones are harmful, surgery is harmful. The fact of the matter is hormones and surgery destroys young children. It, it actually is most destructive thing that you can do and, and girls taking hormone therapy is unbelievable what it does to them over a long period of time. Many of them suffer yeah. so many things. I've worked with, like I said, uh, some of them have taken hormones for 15 years.
1: Well, Hire, we've got to leave it there. I want to thank you so much for, uh, for joining us again. Welcome to the Family Research Council. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. You know, folks, and I also say that maybe the silver lining here is that through these laws being pushed and the, the attention that it's getting, this is a part of the education. Uh, we're educating the public on the true facts. Be sure and share that. All right, more Washington Watch. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about the who. The who, next.
5: Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this uh, Wednesday afternoon. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, as I mentioned, we are uh, doing a weekly worldview question. We're going to do this about 2024, and I'm going to invite you to participate in these polls and questionnaires to determine if you're a SAGE-CON. Uh, is a spiritually active, governance-engaged conservative. What does that mean? Well, there's a lengthy uh, definition of it, but basically means you're involved in the culture around you because of your faith. Well, this week's poll question is this, on the topic of immigration. What does the Bible say is the overriding concern of the civil government? Prioritize protecting citizens, empathizing with the plight of migrants, or a combination of both? To take the question, to take the poll, text POLL, P-O-L-L, to 67742. That's 67742. Okay, the the House Oversight Committee just uh, voted to hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress by 23 to 14. So you had both the Judiciary Committee and the Oversight Committee voting today to hold him in contempt of Congress. We'll talk more about that uh, tomorrow. But for now, uh, for those who regularly tune in to Washington Watch, you'll know that we have been sounding the alarm on a dangerous international agreement. It's really a treaty, but the term has been changed to try to avoid... Uh, having to go through the Senate. And this would give the World Health Organization, the WHO, WHO, greater control over the way the U.S. responds to global health pandemics like COVID-19. And it's not just America, it's every country. I mean, this is a, a global power grab. Well, Americans have less than two weeks to weigh in with the Biden administration on their plan to adopt this agreement. Now, the, there is a comment period that has opened up to allow Americans to respond. Now, we're doing everything we can through Congress to kill this deal, but it would be helpful to have you weigh in as well. If you want to help us raise the alarm for others, there's a detailed article on the Washington stand that goes over everything you need to know about this agreement. Here to unpack that for us right now is Ben Johnson, senior reporter and editor at the Washington stand who put together this explainer of the WHO in this latest power grab. Ben, welcome back to Washington Watch.
6: Pleasure to be with you, Tony.
1: So, Ben, let's go over some of the biggest concerns of this treaty or agreement, as it's being uh, called, that's being pushed by the World Health Organization.
6: Sure, the WHO pandemic agreement threatens national sovereignty and hands control over certain aspects of how we respond to a global pandemic over to the World Health Organization. For example, uh, the WHO considers abortion essential care during a pandemic. The uh, treaty also mentions gender diversity, and uh, WHO is formulating new guidelines on transgender procedures next month. So that could impact things. The most disturbing part of this agreement, though, from a Christian point of view is that it codifies a doctrine that it calls one health. Uh, That equates the health of humans with animals and ecosystems. It uses the word balance, but essentially it means it flattens uh, our view of of human dignity down to that of animals and plants. Uh, There is no aspect that is more important than another. Dr. Anthony Fauci has actually written a lot about this. He wrote in one of his articles uh, that living in harmony with nature will take, and I quote, Radical changes that may take decades to achieve, rebuilding the infrastructures of human existence. He's also particularly worried about human population growth and freedom of movement. Uh, The agreement would ramp up government censorship or public-private partnership, uh, which would try to uh, censor what it calls an infodemic. But its uh, definition of infodemic is, quote-unquote, too much information. They were worried that people will have too much information not just misinformation or disinformation Uh, each government would create a whole of society response to shutting down anything that reduces trust in government or trust in public officials of course the primary thing that undermines trust in public officials is the statement of public health officials Uh, like uh, you know dr anthony fauci's intellectual triple lutz on whether masks work or not uh, originally they were useless, then they were mandatory for everyone over the age of two, then they were not so helpful again. Or when Joe Biden promised, uh, you're not going to get COVID if you get these vaccinations, when the CDC director said vaccinated people don't carry the virus, or when Dr. Fauci said that you become a dead end, you can't get sick and you can't transmit the virus to others if you get the COVID shot. So, uh, you know, of course, the obvious, obviously the entire idea of Silencing speech is profoundly anti American. It's opposed to our First Amendment, and it assumes that the government is the repository of all truth and people should simply be still and know that Caesar is God. So um, so you,
1: you you've laid out a lot there, Ben. Let me let me un, let's unpack a couple of these uh the these items. One And this is something we saw from our own administration, the Biden administration, during the COVID pandemic, is this effort to suppress speech and use social media to censor uh, users. If they were talking about the wrong information, necessarily disinformation, just the wrong information, information they didn't want out there, this now would become basically the model for who they, they they would applaud what the Biden administration did, which were we see attorneys general fighting all the way up to the Supreme Court to put a, a halt to the, the, the who under treaty would basically call for that
6: worldwide. It does. Article 18 of uh, the who pandemic agreement particularly deals with this. Uh, again, the entire document calls for a whole of society, whole of government response. Uh, it tells governments around the world they should invest in health communication, by which they mean uh, essentially propaganda efforts. But uh, also, you can you can censor uh, public uh, public dissemin- dissemination of uh, this kind of thing. They also call for cramping down on uh, what they call substandard treatments, which uh, in in the U.S. context, of course, we saw this during COVID. People who were uh, Using, for example, hydroxychloroquine or uh, ivermectin or other other uh, procedures, ended up being uh, dismissed as quacks. There was a, a doctor, Dr. Mary Nass, who lost her license uh, because of this, and just recently had sus had that suspension continued up through next year.
1: So you, you got to march the beat of their drum and their drum only. I, I, I want to. I, I don't want to leave this issue just yet of the misinformation and the silencing of. Voices. We saw this with the Great Barrington Declaration, where we saw uh, Dr. Fauci and others in the establishment basically clamping down, using social media levers to silence anyone who questioned what they were doing. I find it very interesting, Ben, that next week, uh, when the World Economic Forum uh, meets again in uh, Davos, they the, the, they just recently—this releases, I just saw this today— their number one concern, the top 10 risk that they see. Do you know what the, the number one issue they see as a risk is misinformation and disinformation? So these are the folks that that fund all of this working in tandem. I mean, this is exactly what they want through the World Health Organization. The ability you, you scare everybody with some kind of pandemic and they'll willingly surrender, as we saw so uh, quickly, their rights in order to be told that they would be safe, which now we know for anyone who will read the studies and the results that, as you pointed out, the masking, the vaccines, these things were not effective, as they said. But they'll they'll use this, this fear that they create to grab more power, and number one is first amendment freedoms
6: that we enjoy here in the united states well that's right we know that the uh, administration had a backdoor channel through to multiple social media outlets twitter of course because of the twitter files Uh, under its previous ownership under jack dorsey there was a backdoor portal where they could flag accounts they could flag messages either to be throttled or to have them uh, essentially ghosted so that they would not appear in search results or to completely ban certain accounts because they said something that the government felt was not uh, what the message that they wanted promoted on social media. Uh, In many cases, the people that they censored ended up being right, and the people who did the censoring ended up being completely wrong. And ultimately, Dr. Fauci just this very week ended up admitting that most of uh, the things that he had done during this pandemic didn't have a scientific basis. He didn't know how some of them got in allegedly. So uh, we saw all of the censorship, the disinformation that was promoted by people in our own government. This was before there was an international agreement encouraging them to do so. Right. So if this agreement passes, it's hard to imagine so, the kind th- of uh, strictures on the First Amendment we would see. Th- this
1: is this is what's so outrageous about this. Two years after this, we can we can analyze, we can see the results and and, and the failed approach the WHO is not taking that into consideration. They're doubling down, and they want to cement what they did wrong into essentially a treaty binding all nations of the world to what was a
6: flawed approach to a pandemic. It's very much a product of its time. You know, uh, in addition to reflecting the uh, the mindset of uh, 2020 when it comes to uh, pandemics, it also takes ideas like equity. And places that at the very center of this. So there's there's calls for quotas. It talks about universal health care, for example, such as that which is uh, promoted in uh, the UK. In 2018, the British Red Cross said that uh, the NHS had created a humanitarian crisis because of how poorly its national health care system was working.
1: Going back, we go back to your article. And by the way, folks, uh, you can uh, see this uh, article at The Washington Stand. Just go to TonyPerkins.com and follow the links over. And if you're not already signed up to get the daily briefing from The Stand, I would encourage you uh, to do that uh, so that you're getting information like this that you're not going to get anywhere else. Now, I also want to do this. I want to encourage you to sign uh, this. uh, We've got an alert that is out on WHO. You can find out more. Just text WHO to 67742. That's W.H.O. to six, seven, seven, four, two. And you'll get a link and you can uh, tell your congressman and your senators uh, to defund the World Health Organization. Pull the plug on it. But I want to go back to this. This this really gets me, Ben, because, you know, I'm a big believer in the First Amendment. I I mean, I've, I've served in our nation's military to protect that fundamental freedom. I've served as a police officer officer and protected that freedom. Gabriasis, the the, the the director general, is telling governments essentially to to silence anyone who is critical of this agreement that's being put out there. He's saying you, you basically uh, these people are not telling the truth. So you need to silence them. I mean, that should tell us where this is headed. Even before it's signed, he's wanting governments to silence any
6: critics of this agreement. That's right. He said that. Uh... Part of the disinformation he's seeking to combat is the idea that this treaty in any way restricts national sovereignty. Uh, in point of fact, if you read the very beginning of the uh, document, the very one of the very first things it talks about uh, is about national sovereignty, and it says that nations have national sovereignty, but this is a quote according to Article Three, only in accordance with the Charter of the United Nations and the general principles of international law. So if you violate international law, according to the WHO, and uh, this there's no uh, appeals mechanism anywhere in this document, then uh, you lose at least that portion of your national sovereignty. So uh, he's promoting false news according to his own document, and yet he has explicitly called for all of the nations of the world to combat anyone who dares to point it out.
1: And before we run out of time, I want to go back to something else you mentioned about one Health, and this, essentially, this takes man and puts him on the same plane as plants
6: and animals. It truly does. Uh, when, when it's talking about One Health, again, they use the term balancing, but uh, particularly what uh, they say is that uh, if we are harming the environment, and it makes explicit mention of, quote-unquote, climate change in here, uh, essentially, this document is going to say that unless we combat climate change, unless we reduce chlorofluorocarbon emissions and carbon, uh, et cetera, then we are going to undermine the health of mankind. Uh, By the way, the Biden administration tried to do something like this in its very early days. They tried to change the way that uh, regulations were graded. They said that the cost of regulations would include not only the the dollar cost, but also their impact on the environment. So uh, they have tried to make this literally a whole of government approach to streamline, to mainline, to introduce the extreme left ideology of climate change and uh, the green agenda into every part of government, including quote unquote human health. I mean, th- th- and that obviously turns, obviously, from a Christian perspective, that just violates that right. it violates what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that you are much better than these creatures. I, I, I was
1: just going to say that this turns biblical truth on its head. Uh, that you know, man was created and placed on this earth. Earth was created for man and we were to have dominion over it. We're not equal with it, nor it's not equal with us. I mean, this is our home. We want to take care of it, but we're not on
6: the same plane. That's right. Uh, This, as you say, we were created at the very end of creation. All of it was pronounced good, and yet only mankind was created in the image of likeness of God. And by the way, I would say that uh, that's also part of the harm of this misinformation that you've been talking about so much that we were created in the image and likeness of God. That means we have a rational mind. We have the ability to process information and come to conclusions on our own because we have that ability. And for anyone to deny us that uh, is simply to say you're eternally a child.
1: And that's what they're doing here. And that's what our government has been doing.
6: Uh, Ben Johnson, thanks so much for uh,
1: joining us. Great work on this piece.
6: Thank you so much.
1: Folks, check it out, TonyPerkins.com. Also, text WHO to 67742. That's 67742, WHO, to sign the pledge to senators and representatives. Out of time. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand. I'll meet, keep standing.
0: Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council 7234